I'm Bill Medley, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. I hope you had a great week, and it's time once again for another episode of On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with the guests from the movie, TV, or music industry. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is episode 312, and we have a great guest coming your way. Bill Medley will be joining us to talk about his new CD, his new book, and he, of course, was part of the Righteous Brothers, and he's just, so many hits they gave us, you know, classic hits, not just, you know, just little hits that were there. I mean, these are humongous hits. And, of course, Jennifer Warrens and him sang the theme song to Dirty Dancing, I've Had the Time of My Life. So we're going to be talking about all that stuff. It's a great show coming up, so stick around. Bill Medley coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. But before we get into that, we've got a lot of things coming your way. Don't forget, you can catch me Saturday mornings at 8.12, around there, 8.12, 8.15 on KEST with the Real to Real crew. I do a little segment on there. It's KEST 14.50 a.m. out in San Francisco Bay Area, so be sure to check that out. Well, and if you're on Facebook, be sure to like us and all that other stuff that we always mention to you. And we got uh, a lot of stuff coming away. It's time for our May releases review in theaters and on DVD and Blu-ray. It's coming up next, right here, starting off with Remake Madness. Remake Madness coming your way in May. Well, Legends of Oz, Dorothy Returns, retells the story of Oz in a CGI animated world on May 9th. Now, it's it's not really a remake, it's sort of a continuation, but I put it in the remake area. And Godzilla stamps into theaters on May 16th. And Maleficent, that's a big one people are looking for, cast its spell. On us on May 30th with Angelina Jolie playing the role of the witch from Sleeping Beauty. That is it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies in May in theaters? Right here. Upcoming new movies coming your way in May in theaters. May 2nd, Walk of Shame with Elizabeth Banks stumbles into theaters. May 9th, Chef with John Favreau and Sofia Vergara. And they start cooking on the screen. And on May 9th, also, Seth Rogen comes our way with Neighbors, and Mom's Night Out arrives in theaters on May 9th. And on May 16th, you can look for John Hamm. He's starring in Million Dollar Arm as it comes flying at us. Blended on May 23rd brings Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore together once again for a comedy about single parents who have a disastrous blind date, and they end up winning a vacation, each of them, but they end up getting stuck in one suite in Africa together with their kids. And on May 30th, Seth MacFarlane and Charlize Theron star in a comedy western, A Million Ways to Die in the West. That is it for upcoming new movies coming your way in theaters in May. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD in May? We're going to tell you next. 
TV on DVD coming your way in May. A lot of good ones here. May 6th, The Andy Griffith Show on Blu-ray. Season 1, China Beach. Season 3, Eureka. Season 3, I Love Lucy, The Ultimate Collection comes your way on Blu-ray. Laverne and Shirley, Season 8. And Little House on the Prairie, Season 2, Deluxe Remastered Edition on Blu-ray. And many loves of Dobie Gillis. Season 3 will be coming your way. And, of course, uh, check out On Screen and Beyond at our rerun section. And we have an interview with Dobie himself. And also you can look for Rookie Blue Season 4. May 13th, Barney Miller Season 5. And, of course, we had an interview at OnScreenAndBeyond.com with Hal Linden. So check that one out. Eastbound and Down Season 4, Magic City, the complete series. Orange is the New Black, Season 1, Perry Mason, Movie Collection, Volume 2, will also be coming your way on May 13th. May 20th, Abbott and Costello Show, Season 2, Dick Van Dyke Show, Season 1, Season 2, Season 3, Season 4, and Season 5. And uh, this is uh, the episodes only, so there's no extras on that. And Gidget, the complete series, Happy Days. Season 5, The Jeffersons, Season 1 and Season 2, L.A. Law, Season 2, Nikita, Season 4, and Warehouse 13, Season 5. That is it for May 20th. On May 27th, look for Bob Newhart's show, The Complete Series, Cimarron Strip, The Complete Series, Covert Affairs, Season 4, and Pioneers of Television, Season 4 will be coming your way, along with Suits, Season 3. That is it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, May releases as far as movies on DVD. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. May releases on DVD as far as movies. May 6th, you can catch Still Mine with James Cromwell, Veronica Mars with Kristen Bell, and on May 13th, Her will be coming your way, I Frankenstein with Aaron Eckhart, and that awkward moment with Zac Efron. May 20th, catch Three Days to Kill with Kevin Costner, about last night with Kevin Hart, Grand Piano with Elijah Wood, In Secret with Elizabeth Olsen, and The Monuments Men with George Clooney, Pompeii with Kit Harrington, and Empire Academy with Lucy Fry. And on May 27th, Endless Love with Gabrielle Wilde. That's it for movies coming your way on DVD in May. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we have a rock and roll legend coming your way. Bill Medley of the Righteous Brothers is going to be joining us. And of course, you lost that love and feeling. That was one of their biggest and You're My Soul and Inspiration, another great hit from them, Unchained Melody. And I've had the time of my life from Dirty Dancing. Bill sang that with Jennifer Warren. So a lot of great songs, a lot of great history. Bill Medley is going to be coming up to talk about that, along with his new CD that he has out and his new book, I've Had the Time of My Life. So it's all coming up next right here. Bill Medley on On Screen and Beyond.
Today on On Screen and Beyond, we have joining us a rock and roll legend. He has won a Grammy and an Academy Award, and as part of the Righteous Brothers, he gave us You've Lost That Love and Feeling, You're My Soul and Inspiration, Unchained Melody, and Rock and Roll Heaven. With Jennifer Warrens, he gave us I've Had the Time of My Life. He now has a book out called The Time of My Life and a new album called Your Heart to Mine, dedicated to the blues. It's Bill Medley. Bill, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Bill, with all you've got going on, this must be a very exciting time in your life. Yeah. Every time I think it's going to wind down, it winds up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 73, and, uh, and oddly enough, I'm having the time of my life. Uh, uh, it's just, it's great. I, I never thought I'd write a book, but uh, now that I have, I'm thrilled to death that that I have and uh, and that album your heart to mine is an is a is a CD that I've wanted to do for 50 years you know kind of pay tribute to all the great black artists that I was influenced by and and the book it was just great to get all those stories out of my brain and now maybe I can delete part of it <laughs> Well, since you you mentioned about the the album, I want to talk a little bit about that, and then we'll get into the book. And, and you know, there's just so many things we can talk about. Yeah. But the album, I was listening to it, and when I hear that, I find that it's it's very much influenced by Ray Charles. Is, am, am I correct with that? Oh, sure. Yeah, Ray Charles was I was my hero, and still is. Just think he was one of the most most gifted uh, singer, musicians in the world. When I heard the first couple of songs, it was like, wow, <laughs> this is really good. <laughs> oh, thanks. But when I was, after I was listening to a couple of the other songs, to me, Pledging My Love is just pure Bill Medley. It, it, yeah, that's, 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 that one is real Bill Medley, and it's really in, in the, the, you know, kind of features more of the the baritone, real comfortable place in my voice, and uh, that—that's that, actually my one of my favorite songs on the, the album. Yeah, it, it, it's a beautiful song, and you and you did such a good rendition of it. And uh, thanks. You know, it's just just a great album. People should definitely go out and get it because it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun to listen to. Well, it was fun to make. You know, it was it was easy to make because I. Wanted to pay tribute to Ray Charles, so I just took my favorite Ray Charles song, wanted to pay tribute to Sam Cooke, took my favorite Sam Cooke song, and that was all well and good until I got in the studio and said, oh man, now, now, now unfortunately, maybe I'm going to be judged against all these great artists. You know? Well, I'll tell you, you stand up easily to all of them because you just did a great job. No, thanks. Now, was it difficult deciding which songs you were going to put on there? It was pretty easy for me. You know, like the Ray Charles song is a song that, you know, wasn't a hit for him, but it was just always my favorite song. It's called Drowned in My Own Tears, mm. and it's just a great, great soul, soulful song, you know, and uh, it almost sounds... A little churchy and and which I love gospel and uh, so yeah it wasn't yes yeah, Sam Cooke change is going to come uh, 
Sam and Dave, hold on, I'm coming. Oh, yeah. BB King, uh, rock me, baby. You know, so it, it wasn't it wasn't hard, even though all those guys had a million great hits. Oh yeah, I'm sure you could have come up with a, a, a double album or, or a continuation and and everything because you know you could have done uh, yeah. a lot of different things. Yeah, I could have done nine albums. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, as far as the album itself, have you performed any of these during your concerts that you do? Well, on the album, I wrote a song called This Will Be The Last Time, mm-hmm. and uh, I performed that in my show because it's you know, kind of dedicated to all those guys and girls. Uh, uh, and once in a while, somebody will yell out, you know, change going to come or this magic moment or you know, one of those songs, uh, which I'm thrilled about, and uh, and, I'll, and I'll do them. Yeah. Now, was that hard when you're in a concert like that and somebody yells something out? You turn to the band and you say, let's do this one? <laughs> I mean, are they ready for that? <laughs> no, they, they, they really aren't. And But I'm <clears throat> I'm a little bit of a piano player, so and, and my musical uh, conductor has uh, been with me. Tim Lee's been with me for years, so he knows... You know, at least we know about 90% of them. And even if we do them just with the piano, the audience seems very pleased that we do it, you know. Just to see you in concert would be amazing, I'm sure. Well, you know, if if, if they were raised on that Righteous Brother music, you know, because I know how it was for me to go see Little Richard and Ray Charles and those guys. I mean, it was amazingly exciting. Before you were with the Righteous Brothers, how did you decide you wanted to be a singer? Well, I just kind of was, you know, kind of driven to it. You know, a friend of mine who played the guitar and, and sang, he he wrote a song, and he wanted to hear me sing it. And, and I, I would just sing along with the radio, but everybody knew I could, you know, uh, could sound like Little Richard or this and that. And, uh... uh so I learned his song, and it just it just turned a switch on with me, and uh, I became obsessed with writing. I taught myself how to play the piano. I've always had a piano in the house. My mom and dad had a had a swing band years ago, and um, I'd sit in there for there for twelve hours a day, teaching myself how to play the piano and and writing songs and. Then Bobby and I were put together uh, by a mutual friend, and we recorded a song, Little Latin Loopy Lou. And Which you wrote, just, Huh? You wrote that too, right? Yeah, I wrote Little Latin Loopy Lou, and it just, and we just took off. We, I mean, there was no breaks on that thing. We just <laughs> took off. So how was it back then? I mean, here you are, you're all of a sudden, you're in the limelight, and everything is going... Was it a big change for you all of a sudden, everybody recognizing you like that? Yeah, you know, it's very it's very odd because we very much were just a couple of normal guys raised in Orange County, California, and then all of a sudden you're put in the limelight and uh, <clears throat> they're paying you more money than you need and this and that and girls that are hitting on you that you would have never thought of <laughs> approaching, you know. Yeah. And so yeah, it's it it takes a couple of years, you know, to 
finally get used to that and and to know what that really is you know what fame really is mm-hmm. you know you you aren't you aren't necessarily special you you know you are given a gift to perform mm-hmm. and, and sing and uh and that's you know that's about all it is yeah. every we all have a gift we, just, we Bobby and I were just lucky enough to find it at a young age yeah now the book uh, the time of my life uh, it's 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 not only a, a very interesting book but you've got some great photos in there too yeah yeah there's some some fun photos i i just gave the publisher a whole bunch of photos and and he picked out uh, the ones that he thought kind of represented the book and uh yeah i i love the photos in the book they're pr- they're pretty fun yeah yeah so, you, so would you go through your personal stash of box of photos you had around the house or something yeah i did and uh the interesting thing is i wasn't real good at, at saving stuff bobby hatfield was great at it he had a garage full of stuff really but uh i had a very limited uh supply of stuff but uh i certainly had enough to to make it work yeah now are there any things that you did in the past that you wish you had had a camera at that time but you didn't take one a picture yeah you know what there's very little uh you know, uh, DVD of, of the Righteous Brothers. We, we just kind of weren't into a lot of that. We didn't take a lot of pictures and Elvis Presley was a real good friend of mine and, and I've never taken a picture, picture with Elvis. I, I'm sure I'm in a lot of pictures, you know, with Elvis and I and, and other people, but, uh, uh, you, you know, when you're doing it, you just, you know, you, you're just so busy doing it that you never stop to think, boy, I wish I had, who knew it was going to last this long, you know? <laughs> who knew? Yeah. Now, I, of course, when you first started out, I was, you know, just a young kid, so I, mm-hmm. I didn't know, I heard your music, but I didn't know a lot about you. But yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that you toured with the Beatles. Yeah, we did the first uh, <clears throat> American tour. <clears throat> with the Beatles, which was it was phenomenal to have a front row seat of the beginning of all of that. You know, it was just because, and we didn't know it at the time, and neither did the Beatles, that it was going to change the face of music. You know, it, music was going to take a real left-hand turn, and we went on the first Rolling Stones tour, and uh we just didn't know that that was going to become such a huge thing. Yeah. Now, were you actually uh, on the same tour buses as them, or the Beatles and the Stones, or were you separate buses? Or no, when we were with the Beatles, we were uh, on a plane. We were all on the same plane together. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we were with the Stones, truth is, I don't remember how we got from one place to the other, but we. The Stones was all in California or, or the West Coast, uh-huh. and uh, this was before Love and Feeling. And we had, for three years, we had a, a, a real kind of rock and roll, a little Latin loopy loo and that stuff. And uh, so the Stones and the Righteous Brothers uh, was was pretty good because 
the Rolling Stones hadn't become big yet. It really, uh, one tour kind of followed the next, and uh, the Stones were just starting to become uh, real big in the United States. So that tour was a lot different than the Beatle tour. Really, yeah. yeah. But there, I'm sure there were a bunch of screaming fans at all of them. <laughs> yeah, there there were. I mean, we with the Beatles, we did fine on the West Coast, but, boy, when we got to the East Coast, they were clapping and screaming but they were clapping and screaming we want the beatles we want you know <laughs> it was kind of the boot camp of rock and roll now now was that hard was it hard back then when you know they're waiting for the beatles to come out and you're the first ones to perform you know it's, it's i would think that that would be kind of the you know kind of tough <laughs> well tough tough to say the least and and the unfortunate thing is you know it's it was mainly 13, 14-year-olds screaming girls, and they didn't know they were going to have to live through, because there was three acts out there, Jackie DeShan and I think the Exciters, it was, and, and Bobby and I, they didn't know that they had to live through an hour or an hour and a half of some other stuff before they got to the Beatles. Hmm. And, uh, and we were on right before the Beatles, and so it was... They had had enough of that. that <laughs> <laughs> let's give me the Beatles. <laughs> now, and I didn't all. I also didn't know that you were the first rock and roll act to play in Vegas. Yeah, Frank Sinatra in '65 <clears throat> uh, uh, brought Bobby and I to uh, the Sands Hotel, the biggest hotel. And, and casino in the world and Frank Sinatra was in the main room and we were in the lounge and and why they why they booked us and why Frank Sinatra said yep I want them to, to work in the lounge uh, is beyond us we don't know maybe Nancy Sinatra was in the room when they asked him but because um, he had to okay who whoever was in the lounge because he would you know, all of Hollywood would come to, to see Frank Sinatra in Las Vegas. Mm. And he would take his parties and bring them into the lounge uh, to see whoever was in the lounge. So we performed at 25 years old to Hollywood, all of Hollywood. I mean, Burt Lancaster Hollywood, you know. Wow. And it was just unbelievable. I had to sing Georgia in front of Ray Charles. I'm still trying to get over that. Jeez. And uh, it was just, uh, it was so much fun to be in Las Vegas at the Sands Hotel with the Rat Pack, you know, Dean Martin and uh, Jerry Lewis and uh, and Sammy Davis Jr., mm -hmm. and you name it. That's that's who we were hooked up with, and it was just unbelievable. Wow. It's an amazing book. People have to read it to find out all the little details. So. <laughs> They yeah, there's a lot of detail. Yeah, yeah. And now I also noticed that you tested for the role of Jesus in Jesus Christ Superstar, which I find, you know, that was surprising only because uh, about a month or so ago we had Ted Neely on the show who ended up oh, playing the role. Yeah, yeah. And Ted, Ted, Ted Neely was a was a friend. I think maybe when they wrote it and they wanted me to come to Broadway to do it. Mm -hmm. 
And I and I I just didn't want to do a Broadway show, you know. Uh, it's very time consuming, and it would have taken me out of the you know out of the market you know that I was in. And uh, looking back, I wish I would have done it. But Ted Neely, when they did the movie, they they asked me again, would you come up and uh, you know try uh, let us hear you do uh, some of the music the the Jesus role and. I came up and I started singing, and uh, Norman Juliusson, who was the uh, going to direct it, he says, "Wait a minute." He said, "We're going to do uh, the movie in in the same key that the album was made in." I said, "Well, that that guy was, that played Jesus was a first tenor, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm a bass baritone." He said, "Well." Would you would you like to play the devil? <laughs> I said no. I'm Jesus. <laughs> and and when I left, I, I I yelled at him as you know, tongue in cheek. I said, and by the way, Jesus was a baritone. <laughs> but Ted Neely did a great job. Oh, I mean, yeah. God, he, he just killed. He's a great singer. Yeah, very talented guy. Yeah. Now at that point in your career, were you thinking of going into movies and, and trying out for other roles and things? No, I was asked to be, you know, that, and there was a a great uh, uh, television show that came out called Then Came Bronson. Yes, yes, I remember. And I was asked to be asked to be Bronson. Wow. And and my agent uh, screwed me out of it. Ah. Uh, he asked for too much money. He never asked me how much I wanted to do it. And I ran into the guy that wrote it, and I. He said, I'm sorry we couldn't pay you that money. I said, what are you kidding? I would have done it for nothing. Hmm. And and he just got sick uh-huh. because they came all the way to Vegas to see my show and see me. And they were just just absolutely convinced that I was the guy to be uh, Bronson. Hmm. Wow. And, uh, and and it didn't happen, uh, which I which really disappointed me because that I wanted to do. Now, were you into motorcycles? Yeah. You were? I raced motorcycles ever since I was about 16 years old. Oh, wow. I'd race in the dirt, you know, scrambles. Yeah, yeah. And stuff like that. And I just, I, I loved it. So, I, yeah, the Bronson character was very close to to who I was. And, well, you know, uh, you know, Bronson was a guy that quit this big job to get on his motorcycle and go across the united states and i had just left the righteous brothers and so this guy said you know medley is bronson so it was too bad but it didn't come together wow yeah so many different things that you you could have done yeah now is it true that uh one of your biggest hits uh you've lost that love and feeling uh is it true Cher was one of the background singers on that in her yeah you know the wrecking crew i mean uh yeah, Cher, Cher was in the vocal background, Darlene Love, Sonny played tambourine, Leon Russell played piano, Glenn uh, Campbell played guitar, Barney Kessel played guitar, wow. Larry Nechtel played piano. I mean, it was a, you know, a star-studded event. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, that song has just 
I mean, it was a, a huge hit when it came out, and then, you know, in the movies, it's been played over and over, and uh, did you have any idea when you first sang that, that, you know, 30, 40, 50 years later, it'll keep going like that? No, because, you know, uh, back then, there was two or three things that were really wrong about the record that ended up being, you know, uh very right you know Mm -hmm. it was too long in those days it was about a four minute record which they were supposed to be about two and a half minutes right i kind of sounded like i was on the wrong speed (laughs) (laughs) and uh so but everything that was wrong for it kind of uh made it special and uh and who knew i mean honest honestly when we were done with the song we would listen to it and say, "Oh man, this is a a great record and what a great song!" You know, Barry and Cynthia wrote it and uh, for us, and uh, we just felt, "Oh, wouldn't it be great if this song could be a hit?" And then all and Phil Spector, God bless him, he just who produced it just said, "No, this is a hit record. They're going to play it. They're going to play it," and sure enough, they did, and and they still are. It's the, it's the most played record in the history of American radio. It's yeah, amazing. Now, of all the songs that you guys did, and you as a solo artist, too, is there any one that is your favorite? Oh, it's pretty hard, you know. I know. <laughs> They're like your children. and uh, uh, But I must say that the song that followed Love and Feeling was written by Carol King and Jerry Goff and uh, called uh, Just Once in My Life that we always just thought was a great, great, great song. Kind of like Love and Feeling, but uh, just a great song. And uh, I think it was Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys' favorite song and Jimmy Webb and a lot. It just was a great song. And uh, you can't beat Love and Feeling. Love and Feeling's just one of the best songs ever written. And uh, But for some reason, this was a... A great song with kind of different chord changes, and um, and I think it was maybe Phil Spector's greatest production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, 1974, you came out with "Rock and Roll Heaven," and that was an amazing song. Yeah, that you know that was that was "Rock and Roll Heaven" became our the fat the song that jumped up the charts absolutely the fastest of all of our songs. I mean, so fast that we didn't have an album ready to release and and that's that's why you used to put out singles so you could sell the album so we had to run back in the the studio and uh and for about 3 weeks to do uh to do uh the the album and uh yeah rock and roll heaven was a an amazing hit for us yeah did, was there ever any consideration to make like a, a rock and roll heaven two or anything like that? Well, we re, re-recorded it when we did a, re, a reunion album years ago, uh, when Unchained Melody became such a big hit again. But uh, I, I just said the other day to somebody, I said, you know, every about every ten years, somebody needs to update that song and and make and make that record you know mm-hmm. yep. and they they wouldn't have to do it exactly the way we did it they could you know uh 
uh, make it more emotional or whatever they wanted to do. But uh, there's, there, you know, we've lost so many great, great, great artists. Oh yeah. And we're losing them, you know, every day. I mean, we just lost Phil Everly, which is one of the mm. big, big losses of this business. Yeah, yeah. Now, when Bobby passed, uh, was was it a shock to you? Oddly enough, you know, Bobby was in real bad health. He was one of those guys that wouldn't go to a doctor, and he smoked and he drank and he didn't take care of himself. So it wasn't, unfortunately, it wasn't a shock, but it was, but it was horribly sad. Right. It was just so sad because at least his wife said, you know, when because we were just getting ready to start a tour, and he. Uh, he had said, you know, his wife told me that uh, when he got home from that tour, he was going to go in and see a heart doctor and come to find out from the autopsy that, you know, his his arteries were, were about 95% blocked. And he would have gone in, they would have done a little dancing on his heart, and he would have felt better than ever. Yeah. yeah. He was too young. 63 is too young to yeah. die. Yeah. It's a shame. Now, you were good friends with Elvis, too, right? Yeah, you know, uh, Elvis used to come and see the Righteous Brothers back in 62, 3, and 4 when we were hat before Love and Feeling, and we would work, you know, these these clubs or do these small concerts, and uh, Elvis and all of his boys would come and see us uh, quite a bit. So we, uh, uh, he was a fan. We were obviously a fan of his, and... Uh, we became good friends, and then when I left the Righteous Brothers in 68, I finished out my, uh, well, they ended up closing the lounge at the Sands, so Elvis had a lot to do with bringing me over to the to the Hilton, uh, International Hilton, where he was working in 1970. So uh, every night uh, for about four years, I would end up in Elvis's, dressing room and uh he would call me and say come on down he said i'm bored and i'd come down it would be just him and his hairdresser and myself and all the all of his boys which you never got an opportunity to talk to him one-on-one -on -one because he was always surrounded by all of his boys but i had you know four years of talking to him about 15 20 minutes every day about you know, we were we were very similar. I mean, he was bashful and kind of social anxiety, and me too. And he loved motorcycles, and I raced motorcycles in the in the dirt and this and that. And so it was real interesting. And, and I spent about three weeks with him in at Graceland. I was recording in Memphis, and every night I would. One of his boys would pick me up and t bring me over to Graceland, and we had dinner every night, and we would sit at the piano and horse around, or we'd go to the movie. So, so to, to get to know Elvis as Elvis and with, without everybody around and all that commotion, you know, it, it was uh, pretty amazing. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, I saw the end of it, and uh, it was just very sad. Well, 
Bill, you've given us a, a, a little tidbits of all the great stories that are in the book, and people should go out and get it because people who are listeners of On Screen and Beyond just love hearing stories, uh, and you have teased us a lot <laughs> with <laughs> with some of your stories, and there's so many more in the book, so they should definitely go out and get it. Uh, but I'd like to finish up with two final questions. Okay. Okay? But this takes yep. us away from your book, your new album, and everything else you've done in the past. This is more you. When you sit down and watch TV, what are your favorite TV shows now, and what are your favorite TV shows of the past, and what are your favorite movies now and of the past? Oh, man, uh, my movies, uh, geez, anything with De Niro in it, mm, yeah. or, uh, you know, Pacino, I mean, I just I just love those guys. Scent, Scent of a Woman is just one of my favorite favorite mo- movies, but I love The Goodfellas and, you know, Casino and... And and all those movies, television right now, television right. I'll tell you how weird I. I first off, I, I love Chicago uh, PD. Mm-hmm. I just I just love that show, and I love uh, Justified that that's on one of the weirder channels. And uh, and unfortunately, I don't get it. I love The Good Wife, uh, but when I. I ha- I have a home in Branson and and they they show uh you know a Mayberry uh they every 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 day at 12:30 so I tape them all and I love watching Don Knotts yes and uh you know the they were just the uh, the funniest things and I just I just love them I guess it takes me back to a to a more gentler uh, place, but uh, kind of when TV was starting to become real TV, I I guess that's kind of when the Righteous Brothers broke. So I didn't, when I was younger, I didn't have much time, you know, watch TV. But like everybody else, I certainly watched American Bandstand every chance I got. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, that's about it. But I do love to watch a great movie. And uh, and thank God for movies. They're great escapes, and so is television yeah. and radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Bill, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. People should definitely go out and get your book, The Time of My Life, and your new album, Your Heart to Mine, dedicated to the blues. And uh, I thank you so much for joining us and sharing with us. Hey, thank you very much, and thanks for taking the time. I loved it. So great to have a rock and roll legend join us here at On Screen and Beyond, Bill Medley. Thank him so much. And you got a lot of great stories. Check out the book. It's fascinating. It's just a lot of great stuff in there. And uh, his new CD is great, too. He's got a lot. He sounds so much in different parts, like Ray Charles. And just oh, check it out. It's just something you got to hear. So what are we doing here? Well, we have got to let you know that uh, we have got a lot of things coming your way. We've got some great guests coming up here on On Screen and Beyond over the next couple of months, and I hope you'll be joining us. Tell a friend we're still trying to get more and more and more people to listen to On Screen and Beyond. If you get a chance and you'd like to hear more of On Screen and Beyond, you'll hear a little snippet on KEST 1450 AM in San Francisco Bay Area on Saturday mornings at uh, around 8.15, right around there. They sort of 
let me in there with the Real to Real crew, and we do a little talking about what's going on as far as remakes and um, you know sequels and all that sort of stuff, like we do here in On Screen and Beyond. But did a little more talking about it, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. So check it out. It's also uh, if you're not in their area to hear it, you know, over the airwaves, you of course can listen to their streaming at KEST. 1450 AM. Just Google it. You'll find it. And uh, if you are on Facebook, be sure to like us. If you have a suggestion, send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. I'll see what I can do about getting that person on for you. And uh, that's about it. That's a wrap for this week. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. (laughs) 